All I'm going to say is Junior didn't let a single woman on what the truck mm. being a cowbell. Yeah, I think that's a conversation for Dooner, for sure. Dooner, come Got on. Got some questions yeah. to answer. Maybe we need a great quarter cowbell. <laughs> I like Me it. Me and Grace? Yeah. I don't know. Bring the cowbell. We're coming for you, Dooner. We're going to get our own <laughs> cowbell. All right, Christian, thank you for that. It was great to see everybody out at the Future of Supply Chain in Cleveland last week. It seems like it was just yesterday. We're already getting ready for our next event, which will be here, of course, in Freight Alley in November. One of our folks who was there with us was Mike Bowden-Distel, our CPG expert. He's here for our community segment. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the themes that came out of Future Supply Chain when it comes to CPG shippers. Because I think that there were some pretty interesting conversations held. Mike, thank you for joining us today. And when you looked at some of those conversations that came out of Future of Supply Chain, specifically when it came to CPG shippers, we just saw the clip from Coca-Cola, right? One of our shippers of choice. What were some of those things that you found out about kind of where CPG shippers are positioned in the industry right now? Yeah, so the big takeaway for me is that the CPG companies and other shippers are just really focused on service levels and supply chain resilience. I mean, that's something I've talked about on the, the stockout, written about on the stockout, but um, really sort of reinforced that view that uh, sort of service and supply chain resilience, kind of their top priorities really over cost right now. Uh, I think there's a couple of, of, of reasons for that. I mean, during the pandemic, there were all these CPG companies, even up through you know much of last year, where CPG companies would say at any day, there's some ingredient we don't have, or there's some piece of packaging we don't have. And so they really sort of look to build a lot of redundancy into their supply chains, use more um, suppliers, you know, have more warehousing in more locations, in some cases added a second you know, manufacturing center. Um, so they're doing a lot there. Um, and some, some, some interesting comments, like the one from L'Oreal, I thought was interesting, where they have this new plan called back, uh, Backstop, where... They basically zero tender uh, rejections in exchange for a higher price. Almost uh, sounds like a kind of a dedicated contract, maybe something even superior to a dedicated uh, contract from a service perspective. So that's really seems to be the the, the 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 focus, and there does seem to be a lot less pressure now that um, the the freight costs have come down. Uh, less pressure to to meet budgets because the 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 budgets uh, most of the logistics managers are going to come in under budget since it's been reset higher. So you basically have you know, C-suites of big shippers, you know, understanding that now that um, the supply chain issues are have been ele- are elevated in importance that you need to have resources for that. And then just at the past couple of years, you know, having a, a tight freight markets have reset expectations of what those freight rates should be. And now the freight rates have come down. There's a lot of room in those, those, those freight budgets. And so um, with logistics managers having an easier time coming within those budgets, it's like, okay, now let's... Um, position ourselves for good service, you know, once we come, uh, once the market eventually turns and becomes tighter, I think that directly speaks to the chart in Sonar we often show that compares the spot rates to contract rates, which shows spot rates about 60 cents right now below the, the contract rates. I think it's a big, big reason for that. Essentially, it's shippers saying, okay, we'll take care of you, the big carriers, their core carriers right now. But in exchange for that, we expect to be taken care of when the market eventually turns and capacity is tight again. Uh, you know, there, there you have the, the, the chart, uh, driving contract rates in, in white, uh, driving spot rates in orange with fuel excluded from both series. Um, you know, you have that, that about 60% spread. So it, it remains to be seen if, um, you know, when the market eventually turns, 
if uh, carriers will um, you know treat shippers maybe as well as, as tri- shippers are treating carriers right now. Mike, it's definitely interesting to hear about some of the resiliency measures being built out, especially with some of the redundancies. When you mentioned um, really prioritizing services over you know overall pricing for right now, have you heard anything from the last few weeks or maybe a month or so around consumer resiliency or really inelasticity around price changes and really what the response has been for consumers and if people are just really right now worried about having the product regardless of what the cost is and really just, like you said, prioritizing that service level? Yeah, I would say con- the consumer economy has been remarkably resilient, um, you know, particularly maybe from, for CPGs. I mean, there's been some volume degradation, but it's been a situation where they've taken up prices maybe 9 10%, sort of two years in a row, and maybe they've gotten, you know, 1% to 3% of degradation in volume. So it's, it really hasn't been bad uh, from an elasticity perspective. It's been, um, you know, sort of less than you would have expected based on, or at least no worse than you would have expected based on, on past, you know, economic cycles. And it does seem like, um, you know, for all we talk about private label gaining share, it's still consumers have their preferred brand for most items. And um, it's really sort of the impetus for shifting brands is when their preferred brand is not on the shelf. And that's why item needs to be on the shelf. You can go from being a habitual customer of one brand to being a habitual customer of another brand. That brand loyalty piece is always so interesting for me to talk about because I think that it really shows, especially in times of consumer tightness. But obviously we know that like our CPG representation that was at Future Supply Chain, both Coca-Cola and L'Oreal are really kind of broad umbrellas for a lot of different brands underneath those brand umbrellas. And oftentimes consumers don't necessarily understand that. And so you might change from, you know, a Powerade to a different sports drink that still falls under the Coca-Cola umbrella, right? So at the at, at that point, we're still continuing to see these consumers support that one overarching brand. Is that something that we're maybe starting to see these big time brands capitalize on is the fact that consumers aren't necessarily changing from a full brand to maybe like a private label, just switching with inside their umbrella? Absolutely. That's really created a lot of insulation for the big CPGs. Uh, so, you know, they, they have all these different brands at different price points. And so that's something that has I think led to less, um, you know, maybe higher prices uh, on the shelves than would otherwise be the case because they figure if consumers are going to trade down, they're going to trade down to just another brand. So you think about a company like Nestle that has a couple thousand brands, or you know, General Mills that has lots of different brands at different price points. You think about something something like packaged coffee. A lot of that's um, you know made by the Smucker company, but if uh, but there's have premium uh, coffees if they want to trade down to cheaper coffees, will they make the cheaper coffee also? So there's lots and lots of examples of that. Um, but I thought you described that uh, pretty well. And, and it's, it's definitely something that um, has, has really been synergistic as CPG companies have acquired uh, companies in certain verticals at, at different price, price points. And Mike, we're looking at these CPG companies. Are you hearing or seeing anything around what they're looking to do, not to just maintain their current customers, but really kind of grow their market share? Are we seeing any kind of competitive deals kind of being put out or really any types of marketing ploys really kind of being pushed in order to kind of grow that market share overall? Yeah, so what they're doing is they're trying to balance their portfolio of brands to the higher growth areas in CPG. And those higher growth areas would be, you know, healthy foods, 
So there's been a lot of acquisitions of companies, you know, acquiring, um, you know, healthy foods, including companies that are sort of known for junk food, like Mondelez acquiring Cliff Bars is, is, is one example of that. You're seeing companies make a big push into pet food, which has been a big uh, growth area within uh, CPG. I mean, some of the CPG companies have said, you know, if we could go back 10 years, the one thing we would have done differently is maybe sold out of all the baby food and instead invested all that money in, into pet food because people have had fewer babies and um, had more, more pets. So, so there's certain areas where they're trying to, to get into the higher growth areas uh, so they can show that top line growth because that's something that, um, you know, CPG companies tend to be low growth, uh, you know, companies sort of grows with the population plus or minus, uh, so, so which, which isn't growing very fast. Uh, so, so they're trying to get into the higher growth areas and maybe um, divest some of the lower growth areas. Uh, you know, Nestle's done a nice job of that where they've gotten out of things like confectionery and, and they've gotten more into healthy products, um, vitamins, things of that nature. It's interesting to watch for sure and hearing both from Coca-Cola and L'Oreal at that event was definitely exciting. Mike, thank you for joining us this morning and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, good to see you guys. Good to see you as well, Mike. Right now, we're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back with more Freight Moves Now. 